Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Hey, everybody. Good morning. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. I'm a landscape consultant. Uh, so check it out, atxgardens.com. And y'all can call me this morning or text me with your gardening questions. Um, I got a, a message earlier from someone with a question about greenhouses. And this time of the year, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how to protect their plants from the cold. So I'm going to read this to y'all. I have a question for you. I have a portable greenhouse in my backyard that I put some of my plants in to protect from the cold. However, it really doesn't keep warm. At best, it's about the performance of row cover, if that. Now, I could string an electric heater to the greenhouse, but the problem is I have no outside outlets anywhere on my house, let alone in the backyard area. Thus... I must get a portable battery backup system with either solar panel system to charge it up in the house. Either way, I'm looking at a minimum of several hundred dollars. Might as well build a shed in the back starting with that amount of money. So can you recommend some natural way of heating the greenhouse? I saw something on Facebook Reels or YouTube video about putting something organic down on the floor of the greenhouse to keep it at least 10 degrees warmer in the greenhouse than it is outside. I hate moving plants back and forth to and from the garage because they're getting really stressed and it's a hassle and timing with this winter yo-yo weather or just keeping them inside where I can't really water them without having to worry about drainage. So... If you can give me some suggestions, it'd be a great help. And that's from Eric. And Eric, thank you so much for your question. I know he's a a dedicated listener. I appreciate you tuning in. And I think he listens to the podcast too. So thanks so much. Um, So a lot of people struggle with this. And I also struggle with this problem at my house. Uh, I didn't have electricity on the outside of my house either for a long time. My garage does not have any windows, so it's not a good situation in there um, for the plants long term. And um, so the number one thing with the pop-up greenhouse, if you're trying the pop-up greenhouse, you might, I I think it's going to be really hard to heat it enough. It depends on the plants too. It depends on what what plants you're trying to keep warm. You know, if you're talking about tropical plants um, and it really gets below freezing, um, pop-up greenhouse is not going to be adequate. Um, If we're talking about, like, citrus and bougainvilleas and chiffleras and philodendrons, things like that, um, it's probably not going to stay warm enough for a lot of them. Uh, if it gets below freezing. So um, most people in this situation get propane heaters. Um, Really, that's the easiest thing to do. And I'm looking at some on Amazon right now. Uh, 
they're around 100 or 150 bucks for a propane heater. Um, but you have to be real careful with a propane space heater um, and just to make sure that you don't turn it up too, too hot, you know, and that you keep it away from the sides of the greenhouse, et cetera. Um, but uh, people do that for sure. That's the most, that's going to be the easiest thing. But again, you're forking over at least 100 bucks. Um, so you got to think about what it's worth to you to keep these plants too. Like how precious are they to you? Um, now the suggestion of putting organic matter down under the greenhouse or on the greenhouse floor is an interesting one. Um, the greenhouse would have to be really big and you'd have to put the organic matter down very in a deep, like real thick. And the idea there, I think, is that the the organic matter starts to decompose and the little critters, the microorganisms, like little bacteria and fungi that we can't see, colonize that organic matter and start decomposing it and their metabolism warms up the greenhouse so their little bodies make the greenhouse warmer and I've heard of this but it only works on a really large scale so if you just have a little pop-up greenhouse um, it's not going to have enough square footage to get a large enough volume of um, organic matter uh, to be able to heat up the greenhouse it would have to be at least um a cubic foot like it has it has to be really deep so I'm not excited about that idea for you it also will make it hard it would have to be pretty high nitrogen organic matter so usually people do that with manure um, it's pretty serious <laughs> operation and will make it hard for you to walk through you'd have to have a way to make like a walkway through it um, so it might work with grass clippings, uh, but again, like you'd need just a huge volume for it to work. And I think with a pop-up greenhouse, it's not going to work. So um, another thing that people will do um, is put buckets of water in the greenhouse and the water will keep the greenhouse, can help warm the greenhouse, even though we think of water as being cold. Um, the water radiates heat all night long until it freezes. So if it gets cold enough to freeze like a five gallon bucket of water, you are, it's your, it's not working. <laughs> it's not going to work. But if it's, you know, cold out, you know, freezing, but not freezing for long enough to freeze a bucket of water, then keeping buckets of water in the greenhouse can help. Um, radiate heat to keep it above freezing um, but it may not stay warm enough for tropical plants to thrive it would keep it above freezing like if you were growing um, vegetables like collards and cabbages and lettuce and stuff like that where they can handle cold temperatures they can't you don't want them to freeze solid but for tropical plants, that's not going to provide enough warmth. 
So what I had to do at my house um, is I had to really think really hard about what the plants were worth to me, um, especially after the 2021 winter storm Yuri. Um, I, you know, lost a lot of my my plants. I was keeping them in my shed, which didn't have electricity, and um, most of them died. So after that, I just said, I'm not keeping tropical plants anymore. And, um, but I do have my very precious key lime tree. And that one we do bring into the garage when there's a freeze and it's big, it's a tree. So it's in a big pot. It's strapped to a dolly with ratchet straps. And, um, my husband, uh, pulls it into the garage every time it gets below 32 degrees. And there's no lights in there, but we have a uh, grow lights. There's no windows in there, I should say, but we have grow lights set up. So, and so far it's only been in there for a week, you know, one night. And then we bring it back out and it's a pain in the butt. And we're looking for ways to make this easier. Um, so you also just think real hard about it, about what it's worth to you, um, and have a plan. Uh, you know, we don't have to worry about our garage floor too much. It's waterproof. Um, but y'all want to plan ahead of time and, and make sure that it's something you absolutely have to do, number one. And number two, make sure that the plants are worth it to you. Um, plants are replaceable. You know, we get attached to them and we feel bad, but um, you can always get more. <laughs> uh, so it is hard with something big like a tree, though. You can't really replace that. So that's why I keep my key lime tree going. So we're going to go to a break and more questions after the break. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, y'all. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And you can call or text me with your gardening questions at 512-836-0590. Okay, we have a text message, and it says, When is a good time to overseed my thin, shaded Bermuda grass lawn? What good variety of grass seed? Oh, a good variety of grass seed? Question mark. Okay. Um, thank you for your text. Um, it's getting a little late. I think you could try. Usually people overseed in October or November uh, is the time to get the seeds started, but um, it's been warm lately, and uh, you might try it. Um, and for overseeding in Austin, around here anyway, this Central Texas, if you're listening from Central Texas, um, you really only have two options for overseeding lawns in the winter, and it's uh, Ryegrass. It's either perennial ryegrass or annual ryegrass. And um, the, even the perennial 
perennial ryegrass isn't really perennial here. So it's just called that, but it doesn't really work here as a perennial. You still have to reseed it every year. Um, so you either way, just get some ryegrass seed and see what happens. Um, I'm wondering how shaded it is. If it's shaded in the wintertime, the ryegrass may not grow well. But if your trees lose their leaves, then uh, the ryegrass should perform well. Um, and I would encourage you to start converting uh, a weak Bermuda lawn in the shade to some uh, flower bed areas um, so that you can get some enjoyment from those areas because if it continues to be shaded, the Bermuda grass is only going to get weaker. So I hope that answers your question. You might also try um, tall fescue. Certain types of fescues are becoming more available, but they're more for North Texas. I don't think a whole lot of people have used them here in Central Texas, but you may be. I know we are broadcast on the interwebs and far and wide in Texas. So if you're further north, like north of Waco, um, you could try some fescues. I've heard good things in the DFW area about fescue, but I don't think it's, you know, doing awesome down here. Um, you might also research Texas winter grass and see what you think. Um, it's a native grass uh, that is a cool season grass um, that will grow in shade or... Um, Texas bluegrass is another cool season native grass that will grow in the shade, but they're not turf grasses. They are more like prairie grass. Um, so they're not going to be dense and you can't really mow them a whole lot. So uh, if you're looking for more of a lawn, you got to go with ryegrass. But if you're looking for just for something to cover the ground, um, the Texas winter grass or Texas bluegrass might be a good option. The Texas winter grass gets, uh, it's also known as spear grass or needle grass though, because the seeds on it are pointy, which is not fun to walk through. Um, Texas bluegrass, I have Texas bluegrass at my house, uh, but I, I mow it once a year and it gets tall. It's really beautiful. So, I like the Texas bluegrass a lot, but like I said, it's not really a turf grass. Um, so check those out. And uh, of course, sedges are always a good option for shade. Uh, Texas sedge is a favorite of mine. So, um, okay, y'all, call me or text me at 512-836-0590. This is Colleen Dieter, and I am a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. That's my website. I'll lead you to my business. It's called Red Wheelbarrow, and I help my customers by alleviating their anxieties about their yards. So I can come over and visit with you. Um, you can book an appointment on my website. If you have any questions, 
about your yard that are maybe too complicated for me to answer on the radio or you just have a long list of questions, that's what I do. I can come over and help you. If you've got a problem spot where, you know, things just don't seem to be growing. Um, This week I helped a friend of mine with a tree. Uh, She lives in a brand new subdivision and she has a tree that, uh, you know, basically every new subdivision has turf grass and two trees. And they're usually live oak trees. Um, turf grass and two trees. So one of her trees is doing fine. And the other one she noticed is struggling. So she asked me to come over and take a look. And I did a consultation with her on that and uh, gave her some advice for planting some new trees in the backyard. So that's an example of the kind of service that I provide. She's going to plant the trees herself, um, you know, and I gave her some reassurance about the tree that's not doing well. So that gives you an idea of the kinds of questions that I can answer. Um, And check it out at ATX gardens.com and I got another text message here it says hi do you have any suggestions for transforming a flower bed from being mulched with gravel to something sane (laughs) in parentheses they say I'm hoping leaves that's really funny okay Should I just do it all at once or is there an easy way to transition gradually? Um, And they say it's a large bed I'm helping a friend with. So, yeah, I know, um, y'all, this mulching gravel with rocks is not sane. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Um, Yeah. There's a whole episode of our podcast that Leah and I have, a horticulturati podcast, where we talk about that, um, about mulching and, you know, this long-time trend of, uh, you know, using gravel instead of mulch. And um, basically, what I'll tell you is it doesn't take much, if there's If there's fabric under it, under the gravel, try to remove the fabric or plastic. If there's plastic, which is even worse, under the gravel, try to remove it. Use scissors. Um, You can carry away, if it's gravel, you can try to carry away as much gravel as you can, but you don't have to carry away all of it. Um, a little bit of gravel in the soil is fine. It can help the drainage. It's really no big whoop to have, you know, gravel in the soil. It's okay. Um, if you're going to be planting in it, it's okay too because you'll while you're planting, some of the gravel will just get mixed with the soil. So it's okay. Um, if it's decomposed granite, like granite sand, Um, That too is okay to have some of that mixed with the soil, but you have to be careful to not have too much um, mixed with the soil because it can make the soil really, really hard. 
Um, but again, like that can help with some drainage too. But I'm going to go to break right now and then I'll have more tips for you when we get back. Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Okay, hey y'all, we're back. So I want to get back to this text message that I got before the break about how to transition a flower bed from being mulched with gravel to something sane. And um, so, like I said, you want to try to remove most of the gravel, but if you still, even if you still have like an inch of gravel um, on top, that's okay. Uh, Just try to get most of the gravel out of there. If there's any plastic or fabric, try to get most of that out of there too. You don't have to do the whole thing at one time, you know? Chop it up into small pieces because it's a lot of heavy work and it's not fun. Um, I recommend, you know, listening to some jams or some podcasts while you're doing it to make it easier because it's boring. And if you're doing it with your friend, you can, you know, catch up with your friend and chat, uh, sing a song or something like that. Okay, so then what you need to do is add compost on top. After you've removed like most of the gravel um, and any fabric or plastic, add like at least an inch of compost on top. Okay. And that's because the soil is going to be degraded after being covered with gravel for so long because there's no organic matter breaking down to improve the soil as time goes by. So the soil is going to degrade when it's under gravel. There's no stuff in there feeding the soil. Um, so then once then once you do that, you can plant any plants that you want to put in. And then you can add mulch on top of that. And leaves are wonderful. Leaves are the best mulch. So yes, go ahead and use some tree leaves. Pack it full of plants. Plant a lot of plants. And you'll have fewer weeds that way. Okay, so good luck to you. You're doing the right thing. Um, Now we've got Tom and Belton with a question about grass. Good morning, Tom. You're on the air. Good morning. I've got a pretty large lawn. It's probably 20,000 square feet. Whoa. It's all all St. Augustine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the backyard, I've got about 25 or 30 live oak trees Mm -hmm. and there's one area where it just doesn't want to grow yeah and so i bought something off the shelf at home depot and planted it and it looked pretty good when it came in last spring and but but it really doesn't want to grow there either Mm -hmm. so i heard you talking about texas bluegrass or something yeah Mm -hmm. you have a recommendation in in a it's a really shady area. There's uh, almost no sunlight. Okay. Okay. So what I would do in that case, if it's so shady and it's under live oaks specifically, because live oaks, the shade under the live oaks is so oppressive um, compared to other trees. Uh, I would recommend in that space 
just trying some uh, Texas sedges or even just mulching it and leaving it open um, and see how that looks. Uh, is it an area that you walk through very much or is it? Um, an, yeah. No, actually, my wife did a great job back there of bringing in about two or three dump truck loads of rocks of various sizes from a couple of inches to four, five, six inches around some of those trees. And it really looks great, but Mm -hmm. it would be like, uh, maybe that's too many rocks. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it could be too many rocks. Yeah, (laughs) I understand that. I mean, they really, it really looks nice. It's all edged and it it really, uh, I mean, it has a great look to it, but I don't know if, if that whole section of the yard was, uh, if, if we did that. There, be, between this big area, there's still 20 feet to the fence yeah. going going around for probably 80 to 100 feet that's already rocks Yeah, uh, away from, coming from the fence. So you're thinking some kind of mulch maybe? I would go mulch for sure. And the mulch is better for the trees too compared to the rocks. Um, because the mulch can decompose and help feed the trees as well. So um, I would start I, I, there. I'm an old army guy uh-huh. from Minnesota. Uh-huh. Uh, is there, there was something I grew in another yard down here called, uh, I want to say it was called elephant grass. Mm. It was pretty, pretty cool. It was about a foot tall. You never had to mow it. Would, oh, is, is I wonder. Bluegrass. No, but I wonder if you're thinking of monkey grass, a different animal. <laughs> Never had to grow it. I mean, mow it. Yeah. It just, it just sat there and looked okay going around. But we're on yeah. our fifth retirement home, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> I've heard that story before from other customers, yeah. too. But try monkey grass would be a good option. Um what I grow in very, very deep shade, yeah, monkey grass is a good option, or holly ferns are another one that are great for really deep shade, or cast okay. iron plants. So something like that, but start out with the mulch and see how it looks, and then if you feel like it looks too empty, then you can get some plants like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my bride, she's she promised this in this fifth retirement home that there'd be no garden in there. There isn't much of one. It's 150 feet long and 30 feet wide. So, oh my! Yeah, I'll, just, I'll just give her this. I'll give her this project and say, "Honey, we don't need St. Augustine or that other stuff." I yeah. Just spring, spring forth with your ideas. Oh, that's sweet. Okay, okay good, Tom. All right, thanks so God, much. Thank you. Happy you too. Say hi to your wife. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah, that's woof. That's a lot of grass. That's a lot of space, you know, that's a thing. Um, okay, now we've got some more texts here. Let me see. Oh, I see. This is the same person talking about their uh, new bed. There's neighbors that might move the gravel for free because they need it for storage or for drainage. Oh, that's great. That's so great. Um, because, you know, gravel, it's such a bummer to try to get rid of it. 
because you can't, it's so heavy and hard to move and it's expensive to dispose of it. And just throwing it away and thinking about it going into the landfill is just awful. Um, so I always try to repurpose and um, using it for drainage is really the best thing if you can or for walkways with step stones. Um, it's really great or rain gardens, depending on the type of gravel that it is, is good. So um, let me see. Here's someone chiming in about Tom's phone call. Oh, he says, somebody said, Colleen, I bet Tom was talking about buffalo grass. And that might be, that's another, another big, a big animal instead of elephant grass. And um, yeah, it could be um, buffalo grass is a native short prairie grass, but it will not grow in shade. Um, so that won't work in this instance, but I do wonder if that's what Tom was thinking of. So let's see here. Um, someone else wrote in and said, I have a lot of luck with horse herb as a ground cover under live oaks. Thank you so much for that suggestion. Tom, I hope you're listening. Um, horse herb is a wonderful choice for growing as a ground cover under live oaks. And it wouldn't surprise me if your St. Augustine grass is declining under live oaks if you already have horse herb volunteering there. So check out horse herb. You can't buy it very many places. Occasionally you can buy it. You usually have to dig it up from a friend's house and bring it over if it hasn't already volunteered. But It's a native ground cover comes up on its own with little yellow flowers. It's wonderful for bees. Um, it's a very important pollen source, nectar source for native bees and other insects. So it's great. It will go dormant in the winter. So it doesn't stand up to dogs, you know, playing football on it, that kind of thing. It can't do high traffic. It goes dormant in the winter. So those spaces that are covered by horse herb will be muddy in the winter. So be aware of that. It's not the same as turf grass, but it's wonderful. I have it at my house too. So we're coming up on the break here, y'all. I'm Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. So check out my businesses there, my business there, and uh, we're going to go to the break. I'll catch you afterwards. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com, and I've got about 10 minutes left with y'all this morning. I got a very nice text message that says, Morning from DeWitt County. No questions today. Just wanted to say we love listening to your show with a nice cup of coffee. Keep on keeping on. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. You know, I thrive on compliments. 
Uh, that was very much needed this morning when I woke up early <laughs> to get over here for the show. The winter is hard. It's hard for me to get up. Uh, and I just appreciate the encouragement. It's really great. So got a couple more texts coming in. Here's uh, someone with a question. They said they had a large 25-foot evergreen cypress and lost it during the heat wave. Oh, darn. Uh, and then they go on to say, okay to replant or go with something else. It's a fence hider, LOL, by the pool. Yeah, got to have those. Um, Let's see. The cypress trees, let's see. There's an Arizona cypress is a great choice there's other types of cypress like the leland cypress that you still see at the nurseries now and then and they usually die um i don't know what kills them but every every time i've seen a leland cypress they always die so if you're doing arizona cypress yes that's a great choice go ahead and replant it replant it now uh, or as asap um, other good choices include cherry laurels uh, and yopon hollies or other types of hollies uh, for evergreen screening. Yeah, the screening plants are so important for sure. Okay, let's see here. I got another text message saying... We appreciate you sharing all your knowledge. Oh, thanks. And they go on to say, I purchased a bunch of fruit trees yesterday. Ooh. Um, I'm assuming it's okay to go ahead and plant the apple, plum, and peach, pomegranate, fig, and grapes. Do you agree? And assuming I should wait to plant the citrus, improved Meyer lemon, key lime, blood orange, Cito Setsuma mandarin, Owari mandarin, Lilla and Joey avocados <laughs> until freeze danger has passed. Thank you. And then they go on to list the varieties of fruit trees that they got. And they say, thank you, AgriLife Travis County. Yes, we should all thank our AgriLife Extension agents and the Master Gardeners for all the work they do with all the good information they provide us. And um, yes, I say go ahead, plant the apples, plums, and peaches, and grapes. Pomegranates and figs are um, somewhat cold sensitive. So I usually recommend planting them closer to March. Um, you can put them in the ground now, and they'll probably be okay. But there is a chance that if it gets really cold... They could die and not grow back because they're not well established yet. Um, but I, if you've already got them and you're planting all the other ones, I would risk it. And if it gets super duper cold, like if, if it's going to get down, the forecast is like 27, um, then you can throw a blanket over them and make sure they have mulch around the roots uh, to protect them. Um, or you can just keep them in the pots until March. Now, the citrus, you're going to want, want to think real hard about whether or not you want to keep them in the ground or in a pot. 
Um, key limes are very sensitive to cold. Blood oranges are very sensitive to cold and probably won't survive an average winter in Austin. I keep my key lime in a pot and I bring it indoors when it gets cold. Um, the mandarins and the Meyer lemons can survive in the ground in Austin and sometimes they do fine. But again, if it gets down below like 27, that's going to really injure the top of the plant and it will take a long time for them to come back. And I, I have a Meyer lemon in the ground. It's surviving, but it's not making fruit after the last three winters we've had. I'm going to dig mine up and keep it in a pot. The other thing that I like about keeping citrus in the pot is that you have more control over the fertilization. And what I've found is that fertilizing the citrus will encourage them to make a lot more fruit. And um, I've had much better luck with citrus in pots than I have with citrus in the ground in terms of producing fruit. So I'm going to, I'm planning soon to dig up my Meyer lemon and keep it in a pot along with my um, key lime tree. So y'all can consider that. But a lot of people do grow Meyer lemons and satsumas and mandarins in the ground. And they do make fruit, but it's just not, it's not as reliable. Um, but keeping them in a pot is a lot of work. So you've got to weigh the options. Now, your avocados, they are very cold sensitive. Um, I would keep them in pots for sure and bring them in and out. But, uh, you know, you could, you could put them in the ground, but you hardly ever see any avocado trees in the ground in, around here in Travis County. So um, just beware. You know, they're really more uh, better in South Texas, like south of San Antonio and in Houston area. And even then, I have a friend in Houston I texted the other day, and he said he's not, he doesn't see any avocado trees around after Winter Storm Uri in Houston. So, um, you know, just be aware. Most people keep them in pots, keep them in greenhouses. Um, but you're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, the Texas Everbearing Fig is the best. You're going to love it. So somebody just asked... On a related note, what soil mix for citrus in a pot? Great question. So you want to use, make sure you use potting soil. And uh, it really needs to be potting soil. Okay. And um, I make my own and I do equal parts perlite Cocoa fiber core, it's also known as core, C-O-I-R, core fiber, and uh, compost, and then half a part sand. Okay, so, uh, but you know, there's so many good potting soils on the market uh, these days, Um 
including like I really like the Thunder Garden from Geo Growers, the potting soil. Thunderhead, it's called Thunderhead Original. Thunderhead Original from Geo Growers is great. I really like the um, Gardenville potting soil too. The new ones, the Happy Frog and all that, those are great. You know, you just have to really make sure that the pot that you have it in has lots of holes in it. Okay, it's got to drain. But the, the, the citrus trees like to dry out a little bit between waterings. It's got to drain well. And so I've got two people this week who texted pictures of the structures that they have built to cover their citrus and uh, you gotta it says you just gotta be committed to covering the citrus <laughs> i love this picture uh, there's a meyer lemon tree under there it looks like they put a big tarp over some arch shaped supports someone else wrote in um with a picture of this rig thing they rigged up they used scaffolding that they got from Tractor Supply um, that has a permanent use rather than taking up space somewhere. And they draped a big heavy blanket over it and they put a waterproof dog bed on the top to hold it. And then they put um, chick brooder uh, heat lamps inside of it to cover the the plants and keep it warm and then their feral cats like to sleep on the top too so if you don't mind having some kind of <laughs> elaborate structure with tarps and blankets and lights and cats uh you can definitely keep citrus in the ground in austin so y'all that's it for me this week